Hello and welcome to the 10th series of the DNVGL Talks Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Steck. In this series, we take a fresh look at the role businesses play in lowering the world's carbon emissions and how they can work with governments, policymakers and other key decision makers to transition faster to a clean energy future. In this episode, we look at the role of partnerships in accelerating the energy transition. I speak to Scott Harden, Chief Technology Officer at Microsoft Energy. He describes the energy transition as one of the greatest endeavors since we put people on the moon and talks about the importance of global collaboration in helping to achieve this. Scott also outlines some of the innovative ways that Microsoft are seeking to reduce their own energy consumption and the courage required by all businesses to help meet our collective goals. We hope you enjoy the episode. Scott, you recently joined Microsoft Energy as CTO, so congratulations for that. Can you tell us a bit about your career up to this point and especially what you are doing in Microsoft now? Yeah, thank you very much for that, uh, Matthias. And uh, really excited to be at Microsoft and, and, and really excited to be part of this conversation today. I spent the last 20 years of my career really in uh, consulting and focused on system integration in the energy sector. And what has been really interesting about that is just kind of watching this industry evolve to the point where we are today regarding energy transition. And so when this opportunity came up at Microsoft, I was thrilled to join this team. And it's, it's really more about, you know, not just this role as, as far as how this role applies to Microsoft, but what our team represents to Microsoft, which is really a commitment to the energy industry and a lot of investment that comes behind that. Our, our team is really responsible for um, evangelizing what we do. And at the same time, we also represent the voice of the customer back into our partner ecosystem and our engineering teams. And so it's really a two-way street to you know, address both stakeholder groups, but it's a very important one because as this industry is progressing through energy transition, we wanna make sure that we deliver you know, the most appropriate products and services that'll enable our customers and our partners to address this industry. Scott, you just mentioned the range of stakeholders important for the energy transition. Why is collaboration so important and how do you implement that in Microsoft? In our viewpoint, energy transition is real and it's well underway. Um, there's some really significant examples in industry that highlight this. And these examples have only been accelerated by COVID-19 and the global pandemic. And so, you know, we see energy transition as well underway and industry is certainly not turning back. A couple of examples. Uh, just last month, China pledged to be carbon neutral by 2060 a shift that would set into motion more than a 65% drop in its oil consumption and a 75% cut in gas. The EU is aiming to reach neutrality across all greenhouse gases by 2050, which is going to be partially funded you know, by the Green Deal that invests in electrification of transportation as well as the promotion of clean hydrogen. And then back here stateside, California announced a new plan to end the sale of gasoline-powered cars by 2035. And this is from a state that alone accounts for 1% of global oil demand. What we see is that energy transition from our perspective is likely to be one of the greatest endeavors since we put people on the moon. Similar to NASA and the Apollo program, Microsoft has invested a decade of work and resources into creating a capability with unprecedented scale and performance, public cloud. 
our belief is that uh, Azure will be utilized by our partners and our customers to develop the global solutions that are required to support the energy transition. However, a lot has been learned about space exploration since the days of Apollo. When you look at the accomplishments of SpaceX and Blue Origin, you can see the power of partnerships. Private industry and NASA working together to accomplish remarkable things in a much shorter amount of time. We recognize that we can't take on energy transition alone at Microsoft. Although we can provide an unprecedented platform, we need to follow the example from the space exploration and work with industry partners and Lighthouse customers as key collaborators to bring the domain relevance and sources of innovation to the systems that are going to be required to support energy transition. On that point that you say you can't take on the transition on your own. I mean, Microsoft is one of the biggest companies in the world. You're pushing out innovations in a very fast pace. How important is co-innovation and how important are industry partnerships for you to really get the right solutions out for your clients? The best way to really illustrate that is to just give you a few key examples. One of the recent announcements from Microsoft and from a, from a consortium is around an initiative called Northern Lights. You know, all participants recognize climate change requires urgent action, as you said in your question. Countries and industries are coming together to create economic models that uh, aim to, to, to address today's challenges while providing more sustainable opportunities for growth. So for years, in this example, Norway's government has been especially involved in analyzing and investing forward-thinking technologies and initiatives, not just to address uh, climate problems, but to actually envision new industries for the future. So Northern Lights is a joint effort between the Norwegian government and the energy firms Equinor, Shell, and Total, uh, all of which have deep roots you know, working with Microsoft. The, the partnership is seeking to standardize and scale the carbon capture and storage, or CCS, across Europe. CCS, or otherwise referred to as CCUS, has great potential to reduce uh, carbon output, particularly in industries where cutting emissions is more difficult to achieve. And uh, recently, the Norwegian government announced an investment in this proposal in Northern Lights. So together, this group is going to explore how to integrate our digital expertise and work to find ways to invest in the effective development of this project. Microsoft is going to look into the use of Northern Lights CO2 transport and storage facilities as part of our own portfolio of carbon capture, uh, transportation and storage. Another example, it's a small one, but I think it's an impactful one that I'd like to highlight is a partnership in Ireland with Scottish and Southern Energy uh, Airtricity. So we partnered with SSC, uh, Ireland's largest provider of essentially solar energy, to install and manage uh, the uh, internet-connected solar uh, equipment, which they're going to be uh, connecting with, uh, or they are connecting with Azure IoT and Azure uh, Cloud. This new model is in lieu of the standard power purchase agreements that we would enter into with other uh, generation companies. So the software tools we provide aggregate and analyze real-time data on energy generated by the solar panels, uh, demonstrating a mechanism for Microsoft and other corporations to achieve sustainability goals and reduce the carbon footprint of the power grid. For the distributed power purchase agreement in this scenario, uh, SSE Electricity uses Azure IoT to aggregate the generation of all the solar panels installed across 27 schools um, across the provinces of Leinster, Munster, and Connacht, 
and they run it through a machine learning model to determine the uh, carbon emissions that the solar panels actually offset by standard offset by way of standard generation. So the schools use the electricity generated by the panels and it reduces their utility bills. Microsoft receives the renewable energy credits for the generated electricity, which we apply to our carbon neutrality commitments. The panels, and just to put this into context, as far as the scope, just in this small example, the panels are expected to produce enough energy annually to power the equivalent of what would be around 70 homes in Ireland and abate more than 2.1 million kilograms of carbon, which is equivalent to 4.6 million pounds of carbon dioxide emissions over the 15 years of the agreement. And, and lastly, I'll just say Microsoft's also participating in a number of other consortiums to address emission reduction, including the Open Footprint Initiative and Project Astra. So one thing I'm interested in, because you just went into so much technical detail, and it is so difficult to bring digital talent together with subject matter expertise. How are you combining this? Are you building the subject matter expertise up in Microsoft yourself? Or how do you manage to actually efficiently help your clients on their challenges? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is really um, what the purpose is for, for our industry team, right? So, so we're an HQ-based team and we have a worldwide footprint. And, and our, our role is really to bring domain relevance into you know, what we provide from a product perspective to our customers. And as I said, you know, at the same time, we engage with our customers to bring back that knowledge into Microsoft so that we can bring a lot more clarity into what we need to provide uh, as a solution provider to industry. And so you know, the, myself coming from an energy background over 20 years and the colleagues that I have on my team, we actually have I have colleagues that are actually focused on uh, the subsectors of energy. And I should say, you know, from our, our team is really focused on energy all up deliberately. You know, we cover oil and gas, power and utilities and mining. And all of that is, you know, deliberate because we see energy transition converging these industries. And so the, the my colleagues that are focused on strategies associated with each uh, come from industry and they don't come from a technology background. I kind of play the role as a bridge between the both. And so I'm covering the technology trends and aligning that with the strategies that we're focused on for industry. Right. I slightly switch topic now, but I stay with new technologies helping us in the transition. Um, if we look into, for example, DNVGL's energy transition outlook, we know that the increase in renewables or the growth of renewables will be tremendous over the next couple of decades. Um, but we need to integrate renewables somehow in our current infrastructure. So how can insight into data, artificial intelligence, help us to kind of solve this complex equation to optimize? There are so many variables like the asset data, the weather, the market demand, the grid availability. What can AI and, and digitalization do for this on that front? Yeah, and this is, a, this is a great question because it addresses the growing need for bi-directional controls in the power systems. And we believe that uh, data and AI are going to be at the heart of the solution. I'll give you an example uh, of working with another customer. And, I, and, and I think, you know, these real world examples really try to help, you know, they help set the context. Um, this one's a, another story from the Nordics, actually. Uh, a Norwegian DSO, Adger Energy, uh, they had a substation that was running over its capacity just by a couple of megawatts for a few days or a few weeks during the winter months. 
So, so by, by design or by typical asset cycle, they would have to actually replace that. But the cost was going to be like $5 million to replace the substation. So as an alternative, they partnered with Microsoft to connect demand side flexibility to dispatch load or increase supply when forecasting in an overload situation. We provided the, the capabilities to forecast the substation load based on historical data, uh, smart meter information and weather data, as you asked. Um, our, our capabilities in Azure, our machine learning capabilities were used to deliver this forecast in advance. Um, and then we built an optimization service in Azure to select and dispatch the most beneficial load or, or distributed resource based on the asset profile, current or future state. And we leverage price signals from the market and other properties. The end customer that uh, Adgar Energy is serving was given a price to make, make those assets available and a higher price if their flexibility was actually leveraged. Uh, the reporting back to Adgar Energy was provided by way of Power BI reports. And, you know, that would show assets, load, customer and price and dispatch situations. Um, the retailers, they had the end customer relationship, a contract. And so the DSO made a bid to the retailer in overload situations. And the DSO is the visibility into what demand side flexibility the retailer has within its portfolio. The next phase of the project is to create what we see as a decentralized energy flexibility marketplace where DSOs can bid for demand side flexibility and the retailer and the energy service company and aggregators can offer demand to this market. A great partner to engage in this was the existing market operator for 15 of the European countries called Nordpool. And so Adgar Energy and Nordpool created an organization called Nodes, a joint venture. And this marketplace is actually in, in place today and it's running on Azure. It's matching bids and offers. And we're running uh, pilots in 10 countries in Europe across 15 different project areas. Uh, in these projects, the DSOs, TSOs, and aggregators are all collaborating. And the market design for Europe is also uh, integrated with these wholesale markets, capacity markets, and day ahead and intraday markets. And we see this as a model because in, in the United States, there was a recent FERC order, FERC order 2222, that essentially will allow aggregated resources to be bid into the wholesale energy markets in the United States. And there is a potential and FERC's, you know, guidance on this has, projects that this could have, you know, an impact of up to 360 gigawatts of power that is generated at the edge of the grid by 2025. And that's astounding. And so this marketplace model we see as a model that will be emerging here in North America, as well as in many other uh, regions around the globe. And we really see the, the need for uh, software to kind of play a central role for that, to provide the capabilities to aggregate those resources and bid them back into the market. So from the beginning of your answer, I learned that at least technology can help to defer investments so that we can still use old assets because we can kind of make the environment they are working in smarter. Um, but I have a question relating to this. Um, we do have a lot of old assets out there. They produce data in all kinds of different data formats. Sometimes they will also have the same data, maybe just in different timestamps or whatever. When we talk to our clients, we hear that they have a lot of problems with data quality and data management. How do you solve these issues for your clients to then finally be able to 
develop these smart solutions? When it comes to looking at data across industry, right? And, and I think what you're referring to here is looking at not only net new data that's additive coming from IoT devices, but legacy data that's coming out of SCADA systems, because the real value is to establish relationships in this data, right? And, you know, so we see a need, and again, this kind of goes back to, you know, my conversation around public cloud and the, the platform that Microsoft is providing by way of Azure. We, we see a need that, you know, the, the scale and the performance that's going to be required to bring that data together and make it actionable is really only going to be possible by way of leveraging public cloud. Because I don't think that there's a data center on the planet that a utility owns that's gonna be able to actually bring information together to make it useful in that context. Now, data quality is a whole other area that you know we're focusing on as well. And just a few examples there, one of the things that is kind of a known issue within a utility is you know the data quality problems that they have within their GIS. But yet, if you're actually going to, you know, apply technology across a grid in the context of bi-directional energy management, you have to have a very accurate digital representation of that grid. And so we're looking at how we can apply techniques to actually improve the quality of the representation within GIS by analytics that, you know, take into consideration data from other sources, such as AMI, outage management systems, SCADA, et cetera. So we have now established already how we can help clients to lower their carbon footprint. And you have given us uh, impressive examples here how technology can also help us to do this uh, in, in environments with all the, all the assets in there. But digitalization also comes with a price. It also consumes quite a lot of energy itself. So Microsoft, you yourself run 160 plus physical data centers around the world, but still... You are a huge energy consumer, but you managed in 2012 to become carbon neutral. By 2025, you want to run 100% on renewables. And by 2030, you even want to be carbon negative. So what are you doing in Microsoft, actually, to lower your footprint? Yeah, and thanks for asking that question, actually, because sustainability has really become part of our DNA at Microsoft. Um, in July, we released a progress report on the goals that you just listed. And just uh, I'll provide a few highlights you know, associated with that. Um, number one, you know, we continue to reduce our own carbon emissions, you know, and, and focusing on reduction of scope one and scope two emissions to near zero. Um, to do that, you know, we really need to continue to change how we operate. And, and we feel like we're on track and maybe even ahead of track to, to obtaining renewable energy power purchase agreements for 100% of the day-to-day -day power for our data centers by the middle of this decade. Second, we're, we're, we're continuing to focus on how we're going to remove our own carbon emissions. And, you know, our climate commitments require us to reduce our carbon emissions by more than half by 2030. And then we need to, you know, remove the rest while also removing all of our historical emissions since we were founded in 1975. And, and, and that goal is really by 2050. But we're not waiting until 2030 to get started. This year, Microsoft has actually taken concrete steps to remove a million metric tons of carbon from the environment. We're sourcing carbon removal from a range of technology-based solutions that are net negative and verified to a high degree of scientific integrity. I, I mentioned the Norwegian Lights Partnership. That's a great example of that carbon removal type of technology. And the third example I'll provide is we're really leveraging, you know, as a large company, our balance sheet. 
And we announced our first investments from the, the $1 billion uh, Climate Innovation Fund, which is an investment of $50 million into energy impact partners. They're a global platform for innovation, for new technologies to transform the world's energy and transportation systems, the, the, really which are the two sectors that account for the majority of greenhouse gas emissions. EIP is a, a leading venture capital firm focused on decarbonized, decentralized energy industry transition that, that really shares learnings among their partners and facilitates collaboration. Scott, are there any success stories you can share with us of the huge impact of AI on um, the energy sector with regards, uh, for example, reducing carbon emissions or doing things in a smarter way? A few examples come to mind, and, and one that I'm going to start with really focuses on Microsoft. We, we have almost 150,000 employees around the world, and with that you know, employee base comes a real significant real estate footprint. So our goal uh, in this example was to apply our technology and best practices and sustainability to improve the efficiency of our operations. So we looked across all areas of carbon emission within Microsoft and energy consumption to identify kind of a strategic plan that includes, you know, using cutting edge technology to help meet our goals. One area that we considered was the energy spent on heating and cooling of our buildings. Our belief was that we could use AI capabilities to improve the efficiencies of our systems and reduce energy usage. So To, to teach the system, the AI capability, the, the team that went to work first had to give it an objective, right? Which was to reduce energy consumption while maintaining a desired temperature. From there, the, the system had to understand some of the variables and the controller options that it could change to achieve this goal. The AI developed was uh, in conjunction with a project within Microsoft called Project Bonsai to help achieve its carbon negative goal, uh, they returned some really interesting recommendations, uh, counterintuitive to what people might assume. The, the AI itself, the, the system, recommended increasing the set points at the cooling towers and chillers while increasing the speed of the pump delivering water in order to achieve the objective of energy reduction while maintaining temperature, as I said. So by leveraging the AI, we uncovered some recommended optimizations that we would have never come to on our own, which was really the outcome was a, a new plan for optimization that it only took two weeks to discover, but the reduction was around 15% of energy consumption across all of our facilities. It's pretty remarkable efficiency gains for such a short investment of time and resources. Another example uh, I'll, I'll refer to is, is with a big customer of our shell and, you know, Uh, in the energy industry, Shell manages everything from wells to retail gas stations, 44,000 of them. And the company works hard to ensure the safety of employees and customers at its retail sites. Shell is uh, currently piloting a, a new cloud-based deep learning solution based on Microsoft Azure. Uh, the solution uh, uses closed circuit camera footage and IoT technology to identify safety hazards and alert employees so that they can respond uh, and eliminate potential problems. It can see the, and predict the future in ways that human eyes can't. It's called machine, we call it machine vision, and it uses imaging technology combined with imaging image processing and analysis to guide machine action and human decisions in a commercial or industrial setting. 
Shell is now piloting a new machine vision system at several of the retail locations. And by applying the advanced uh, AI capabilities, the system can automatically predict and detect unsafe actions in a shop or a forecourt and alert staff so that they can intervene. It's, uh, you know, and, and that really is something that applies towards what is an ambition within Shell that they call goal zero, which is really to achieve, you know, a scenario where there are no harm and no leak from across this entire operation. One last example, um, we're, we're doing some really interesting work associated with um, analyzing uh, satellite data. And, you know, we're, we're, we're involved in a couple of different projects that are using AI capabilities to leverage sensor data that is coming from greenhouse gas specific satellites. And so analyzing imaging that comes back to find, to detect and actually trace methane emissions that are coming from remote operations in, in the Permian Basin. And it's pretty remarkable technology because the imaging traditionally would be analyzed by a user, but we're leveraging AI capabilities and actually letting the system analyze the image and the precision in which it identifies a leak and can help, you know, remediate those issues is quite remarkable. Scott, I have one last question for you. What do you think is the most important enabler for us to transition faster together to a cleaner energy future? You know, from our perspective, to, to transition faster, it has to become cultural within, you know, an enterprise. You know, culture for change has to start at the top. And it takes courage. You know, you can see, I know, the ambitious moves, the, the brave moves that, that BP and Shell have announced. And, you know, what we see at Microsoft is it's a journey that starts at the top, but it can't stay there. Right, because we have our employees that are demanding a clear strategy and an execution plan to get there as well. And so, kind of from our perspective, you know, we focused on a growth mindset, kind of transitioning, you know, our company from kind of a know-it-all to a learn-it-all company. And we've come up with principles that apply to you know how we actually make this cultural within our organization, so that everybody is on board with our objectives to transition. The change isn't easy. Right. People, process and technology must come together in an orchestrated fashion. The world continues to accelerate. So even the largest companies need to remain incredibly flexible and humble. Bottlenecks can all look a little bit different, but when you zoom out, almost all of them share the same resistance to change. We've seen it in our organization and we've tried to learn from it and we see it every day and even with our most ambitious customers. And so, as I said, you know, our objectives have become kind of part of our DNA. And our plan is, is to really leverage our team to not only provide technology guidance, but actually to provide um, best practice guidance. And hopefully we can influence the cultural change within our customers and our partners. Scott, thank you very much for these really interesting insights and for your time. Um, it was great speaking to you and learning about all these things. Oh, thanks so much, Matthias. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come and have this conversation. It's something that we feel very passionately about. And I really enjoyed the opportunity here to have this conversation. So thank you. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. It was a fascinating conversation about the importance of partnerships and collaboration in accelerating the energy transition. In next week's episode of DNVGL Talks Energy, we speak with Harald Overholm, CEO and co-founder of Elite, the leading company in the Nordic region in solar as a service. 
He'll discuss the role of utilities companies in the transition to greener energy with a particular focus on solar power. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.